0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing well.
1: We are getting closer and closer to game action. We had what was the next best thing, with a joint practice yesterday, with more video clips than usual, um, thanks to it being at like the, the Bengals facility, I think.
0: This was one of the benefits of having it be an away joint practice. I didn't even realize this at the time. I was like, oh, they're going to have to travel. Matt Lafleur's talking about like, oh, it'll be good bonding experience for the team. No. The oh, yeah, big, they, they went to they went some kind of steakhouse, right? The, I, I hadn't seen that. But the big benefit was we actually got recorded video that was not like illegal recorded video, of the Packers practice and right. you know it was nice to see <laughs> Has anybody seen a tweet from Big B in the last week? I did actually I did. No, he's <laughs> he's he, the Packers police have not gotten him yet. The film police have not come and tracked him down yet. Um but yeah no. So Packers joint practice that was the next best thing to a game. And the next, next best thing to a game was Family Night on Saturday. And then we got the preseason game against the Bengals tomorrow. We're recording to you on the night of Thursday, August 10th. So we got a lot to talk about here today. Uh, Before we get into any of that, though, just to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We post when we have new episodes out. We retweet... Uh, articles we find interesting pieces of news from practice video clips tons of video clips right now uh, retweeted over there a bunch from joe goodberry who's a cincinnati bengals uh reporter and then a bunch of other ones from packers reporters uh so yeah come give us a follow there we'd really appreciate it and then uh if you're a fan of this podcast you can find us on your podcast platform of choice spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. you can subscribe to us anywhere there you can even subscribe to us on youtube uh we post all of our episodes there as well and it would really help our numbers if you did subscribe to us there but yeah so check. out us out wherever you want to check us out. Uh, we're going to be doing one episode the rest of the off season and then once the season starts in earnest, um we're going to be doing two a weeks. So that'll be really exciting. We're entering yep. our second year here with the Father Son Packers podcast. We're still ironing out some of the kinks, but you know, we're getting a little better each day and that's that's the goal as Matt LaFleur would say. Yeah,
1: I think we've we have we've crossed over into year 2 now, right?
0: i I started counting oh you mean technically I think our first episode was Packers niners preseason last year so I would say okay, after, so
1: after after the first preseason was our was our or the post game was the first one
0: yes and so this so we're I, not I would quite... say exactly I would say officially one officially one year after this bengals preseason um episode that we'll do next week but Like I said, we have a lot to talk about here today, uh, including a little bit of research that you did, Dad, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's start with the news, however. Like we said, we got a lot to talk about. We haven't uh, spoken with you guys since family night, since the joint practices, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We still got to talk about the preseason game tomorrow. But first, the news, Uh, some roster moves for the Packers. Uh, The Packers, after family night, cut quarterback Danny Etling, who had been taking a lot of reps with the twos, so that was a bit surprising.
1: Yeah, that was a little surprising. Uh, I was not expecting that, especially so soon. Yeah. Which and he, maybe, and I, I saw this like, they must like what Clifford's doing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's more just like, are you really going to cut a fifth round pick? No. I'm a little surprised at the Magoo versus Etling, that they went with Etling. But at the same time, Etling is 29. Uh, you know, Magoo, I think, is a little younger, has that 27, US, I, think. 27 I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um. And, you know, it sounds like they've had that ling around for a little while. I'm a little surprised they didn't want a little more experience in that room with the offensive system, but, you know, that's what they're going with. So, and the corresponding move was the Packers added running back Nate McCrary. Uh, He was part of the 2021 draft class. Uh, He spent time with the Ravens and Panthers last year. Six foot, 213, uh, pretty good athlete. Um, I don't know if
1: it's a a over nine, Ras, if I recall, like, 9-4 or something. I I didn't look it up for this,
0: but it's in that vicinity. A very good athlete. And so uh, a lot of that's probably because, as we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, Lou Nichols got a little dinged up uh, last week and uh, hasn't participated in the last few practices. So it could just be adding another body there for these preseason games since, you know, Jones and Dylan are probably not going to play. I'd be a little surprised if uh, McCrary um, makes a whole lot of noise on this roster, but you never know. Uh, So they added that. And then a few injury updates. Dad, the biggest piece of news for the Packers in the last week is this. Rashawn Gary is officially off the pup. He came off the pup on Monday. Uh, that's the physically unable to perform list. Um, and he's not back to doing team drills yet, but he's looked pretty good in individual drills. If you want to check out on Twitter, we've retweeted a bunch of clips of him, you know, doing the bags, um, running, running a couple individual drills. And it's just nice to see him out on the field already. And, you know, maybe... Possibly being available for week one. Dad, I mean, this has to be the most exciting yeah, piece of it, news, right? It was
1: very exciting to see. And he hasn't, I don't think he's, as far as we know, he hasn't skipped a day of practice either. Um, Though I, maybe there's some walkthrough uh, that we didn't see about.
0: From but the practices that have been public, he's, he's participated in every one. He was even running wind sprints on the sideline during the yes, joint practices, think, apparently, because he's a psycho. It, it,
1: right. It, it seemed like that was maybe his own doing because... Uh, he couldn't be in the team drills. Like, I'm just going to be sprinting up and down the sideline
0: here. It's very on brand for him, which is awesome because Plus, Gary it was like crazy.
1: crazy. It was hot and crazy humid there, apparently.
0: Oh, yep. And then, you know, he's got to get he's he's probably got to get his like football lungs back under him. I'm sure he's been working really hard conditioning wise while he's been doing all the PT he's been doing, but you know, always good to see. I mean, he's just such a like vocal and emotional leader for the whole team and it's just so good to have him back. Some other injury updates. Uh, Grant DeBose is also back from injury on Monday. Um, it's the first practice of the offseason for the rookie seventh-round pick receiver out of Charlotte. Um, so good to see him kind of get back before the preseason games start underway. And so he's he's going to have like a real chance to still make this roster because he, there's still time for him to prove like and makes, make a little bit of noise in this camp and, and get one of those receiver spots. It's going to be hard, but he's not back too late. Is the, I think the yeah big I thing don't know if he's
1: doing any team stuff yet. He was running some routes on air in some of the clips I saw, but I don't know if he's quite up to uh, any any team um, drills yet, or w- whether. And I don't know if we'll see him in this first preseason game or not.
0: Yeah, and then Josiah Aguara we'll after see, missing we'll about tomorrow. Yeah, and then Josiah Aguara after missing about a week with a calf injury. Um, was back on Wednesday for the joint practices with Cincinnati. Very exciting for him as someone who went to the University of Cincinnati to be kind of back in his old stomping grounds. He didn't participate in the team drills, but it is good to see him, you know, making his way back, and that's not going to be a super long-term thing for him, it sounds like. Um... Beyond that, though, there are still a few uh, players that are out, like we mentioned before. Lou Nichols has been out the past few practices with a shoulder injury. And then Innes Gaines has been out the few pra- past few practices with a quad injury. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on because the depth at that slot corner spot is a little shaky. Uh, not really clear who the backup behind Nixon is going to be this year. Uh, it sounds like, uh, based on... What Andy Herman has said um, from his viewing of the practices, Savage hasn't gotten any snaps there. It's been gains behind Nixon, mostly, almost exclusively. And then um, I think perhaps Ballantine, if I remember correctly, but don't quote me on that. Corey Ballantine, that is. Um, and then Jake Hansen. Yeah, I don't is, know. Yeah. And then Jake if Hansen is, has
1: been doing any slot work or not.
0: Mm-hmm. and then jake hansen is still dealing with um the same injury as last week it sounds like he did line up at guard in some walkthroughs but uh not back to doing team drills yet i
1: had missed that he was starting to do walkthroughs interesting that it was at guard and not at center because that's where he's mostly been lining up i think as, a, as the number two center so far
0: yeah it's also hard to know because it is an elbow injury so it's like is that going to affect his snapping and so that's why they don't That's why they're having him at guard that I'm pure speculation, just pure speculation. But yeah, so that kind of does it for the news section of the podcast. Like we said, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, joint, uh, family night, joint practice, and the preseason game coming up. But before we do that, Dad, you had something that you had been kind of working on research-wise, uh, a little bit about the pace of play for the Packers, because I know in the past few years, you know, a lot of people have been a bit frustrated with <laughs> with the Packers' pace, especially <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, kind of, you know, he liked taking his time. It is what it is. And, you know, by football outsiders, uh, neutral pace rate, which kind of takes into account uh, taking out uh, two-minute drills, end of halves, um, when teams are down by a lot and they have to play fast, and, you know, just kind of when teams are playing how they want to play. Uh, The Packers have been a really slow team over the last three years. In 2022, they were 28th in pace of play. In 2021, they were 31st in pace of play. And then in 2020, they were 32nd in pace of play. So pretty much the only thing you can say for the Packers is they have been getting a little bit faster each of the last three years. But, you know, I think there is some reason to think they might be faster this year with Love than they were with Rodgers. We know Rodgers like to take his time at the line. We know there were a lot of last-second timeouts. But, Dan, you had some pretty interesting stuff that kind of came of looking at how pace uh, corresponded to winning. And do you want to take it away with that?
1: Yeah, so I, I had you know, this thought, which I originally came to like college basketball, where there's this notion that the top teams should be trying to play at a higher pace and this, and the, the the weaker teams should play at a slower pace because... As a good team, if your point differential is like, let's say, one point per possession, the more possessions you have, the greater the total difference will be, and the less you are susceptible to random noise in um, from play to play affecting the overall outcome. Say like, somebody gets a pick six, or a... Botched fumble that's on a a punt, a botched punt that's then run into the end zone, having a huge impact on the play. But if you have more total possessions, you might be able to distance yourself enough from the other team so that you would not be um, affected by those kinds of random chance plays that, that always pop up. So I took, so I wanted to see if there's any correlation between pace of play and win percentage. This notion that, you know, that if you're faster, then you're maybe more likely to win. So I took the football outsiders' um, neutral pace of play for for the offense because that's what you have control over. The defense you have less control over, um, and then compared that for um, to winning percentage for every team for the last ten years. So, three hundred and twenty um, data points, graphed um, pace of play versus win percentage over. Um, so that gives a scatter plot, and then you try to fit a line to that. And that line, using all the data uh, the, over the last 10 years, does not show much in the way of a correlation. The R-squared value, which is kind of a statistical measurement of how 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 much of the sort of variance is explained to the data, how much it, it accounts for. And it's very low. It's like 0. 0.02. So that's a very, that's a very bad R-squared value. And the slope of the line is kind of a uh, measurement of how much the two data are related to each other. And if it's zero, then they're basically varying independently and have nothing to do with each other. So overall for the whole three, um, for every team over the last 10 years, if you take all that, there's very poor correlation between win percentage and um, the pace of play. However, as we were discussing this earlier, um, I decided to do a last second analysis what if we just look at the extremes? We take like the twenty fastest teams of the last ten years and the twenty slowest teams of the last ten years.
0: And and this and was kind of what, this was kind of inspired. This was kind of inspired by the ideas like we were talking. It was like it was like yeah, like there there's not really like an impact on winning. Like the only thing that I could think of would be like or that that we we could think of would be like the really slow teams are going to get more penalties because that that's the only thing that could really possibly happen there. And it was like, okay, like maybe those really, really slow teams are getting enough like penalties or, or having to burn timeouts. Um, in case, Rates. in case, in case that that doesn't ring a bell, uh, Packers have done that quite a bit. Uh, but that's <laughs> sorry. What do you think so, about that? I don't know I why know, that right? would come to mind. It, like delay a game penalties, a meaningless five yard penalty on second and goal. I, I've never seen one of those before. But anyway, Dad, sorry to interrupt. Take it away. When you all,
1: all of all a sudden go from a like one yard lunge to a uh, you know six yard, uh, you know passing down in the in the red zone, there's, why should that matter? And where where would we ever see that? It's never going to happen but the idea was that maybe the extremes have a difference that are drowned out by all the middle all the teams in the middle that it really doesn't matter if you're somewhere in the middle you know 80% or even or 90%. so i took the top 20 teams 20 fastest compared to the 20 slowest. so the winning percentage for the 20 fastest teams was on average 60% while the winning percentage for the 20 slowest teams in the last 10 years it's only 48%. Now, I haven't done, like, you know, actual statistical tests to see whether these two are significantly different, but that's a pretty big gap, 60 you know, 60% to 48%. And, listeners, that bottom 20 slowest teams include Green Bay 2022, Green Bay 2021, and Green Bay 2020. So even though, like, two of those teams had a great winning percentage, it's still... On average, those teams, at the slowest teams, are mostly bad.
0: Yeah, and I think this is really interesting because and not
1: nearly as good as the as the fast teams.
0: Yeah, and and you know, in some ways, this gap between the 20 fastest and 20 slowest, you know, I don't think, I don't think we think necessarily that the Packers are suddenly going to be this really fast team because something that you would, were talking to me about earlier is these Shanahan scheme type teams have really large verbiages in their play calls, and generally trend towards being slower teams. And so I don't know if we're going to see necessarily that the Packers are going to go from one of these slowest teams of the last decade all the way to being really, really fast. But they're certainly, I think, going to be a much faster team. I mean, it's going to be hard to be slower. They've been one of the five slowest teams each of the last three years. Um, But I think it's definitely... I would expect at least that they're going to trend towards more being an average pace of play team this next year rather than being like bottom of the pack like they have been with Rodgers. I, I, I just, that would be my expectation. I don't know if you have a different expectation, but that's that's kind of what I'm yeah. thinking.
1: Yeah, and just for comparison, say uh, if you, you want a little support for this notion of the, the offensive scheme is driving some of the slow play. San Francisco in 2022 was the... 26th in in the league in speed, so only a couple spots ahead. And in 2021, they were 28th. So they're slow at getting the plays in too. It's not all Rodgers. But we had like maybe a perfect storm.
0: Yes. Between between LeFleur and Rodgers. I think it's a big combination there. The only other thing I can think of is like, hey, run heavier teams, clock's running more, not going to have as many plays per per game. Is Is that something, do you think, or...?
1: You will have fewer um, uh, plays per game because your rest between plays is longer is on the clock. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, people talk about, you know, running gets where you're actually having generally the same amount of break between snaps. It's just whether that break is while the game clock is running or not.
0: Exactly. And that that was the but, only thing I was yeah, thinking of there. But I, I yeah, think it's so, interesting so if you're because... running,
1: you're going to get fewer plays.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think we all expect us to be faster this year, and we're not going to be down in that bottom 20, although the being in the bottom 20 hasn't has hasn't been detrimental to the Packers' success the past three years, but also that has been with Rodgers, but also, you know, Rodgers likes taking it slower, and I think a slower pace with Love would not be as good. So, you know, we hope the Packers with Love are a faster-paced team. But anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Thank you, Dad, for doing crunching those numbers, doing all that analysis.
1: Some <laughs> really last-minute number crunching, <laughs> as in...
0: Thirty seconds ago, um, when we were right during the first take of this segment, uh, who crunched a few extra numbers. But anyway, uh, let's move on though to Family Night. We still have a lot to talk about here, um, but let's move on to Family Night. I think we each had three things that we found interesting. Do you want to lead us off with what uh, you found most interesting from Family Night? From Family Night, Dad.
1: Yeah. So the first thing I would mention is Anders Carlson. So I managed not to say Daniel. Um, had his best day of camp so far at family nights where he was eight for nine on field goals per Andy Herman with all, one miss being on what I think was described as a really horrific snap and a still not good hold. And so the, you could, you could say, you know, on, on kicks he actually had a real chance at he was eight for eight and the gener- being generous a little bit, but the other thing that's encouraging about this after he went, I think like 11 for his previous 22 or something like that, something bad. Um, but this was at Lambeau as well. Um, under, under some bright lights, some more scrutiny, 60,000 fans. Like that's going to be more than you get at a lot of stadiums. If you go to like, I don't know, uh, watch chargers game or somewhere.
0: A real game environment, like a real game environment. Hey, I have a lot yeah. of Chargers fan friends. Let's not let's not disparage the Chargers. But do they
1: do they do they show up to the games?
0: They, they go to a few <laughs> games. Yeah, they, they go to one or two a year. <laughs> I, let's not dis- I have a lot of Chargers fan friends. I'm going to stick up for them now. I got you guys back. I I know you guys are loyal. There, there aren't as many of you since you moved to L.A. But I I still know a lot of Chargers fans. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's really exciting. And the two takeaways I had from this were the first is that it was with a combination of holders. Um, with Pat O'Donnell and Danny Whelan splitting time at Holder. And so the fact that he's making the kicks with Whelan is really exciting because um, apparently Whelan's had a really good camp as uh, the second punter. Uh, they would save a lot of money if they went with him and cut O'Donnell. He's oh, he also can boot the ball, too. He's, he's younger. He can kick the crap out of the ball. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like if he can't hold and the holds are bad. We're keeping O'Donnell yeah. because it's just not worth a yep. headache. If he can't um,
1: if he can't hold the ball, then it doesn't matter how far he can punt it.
0: Because we saw this with Bajorquez, it's like it's just not worth it. It's not worth the extra five six yards a punt. It's just not. Um. But so the fact that he did well as a holder is really good for him. And then the other interesting thing, uh, that I heard from the Green Nineteen podcast, um, which is a Milwaukee Journal Sentinel podcast, and Tom Silverstein was saying this, um, was saying that he had actually going into this practice on Family Night had kind of changed his kicking, uh, route, not. Four, a little bit actually and like he had felt that apparently he was getting a little bit too much out on the toe and that was causing him to be a bit inconsistent and so he had kind of moved his contact point up the instep a little more and had really seen some good results on family night and then this past week has also been much better than the week previous and so it's cool to see that like there was a actual tangible reason and a change to his kicking um approach that actually led to this improvement and it isn't just like random variants. he's he's just ran like having a little bit of a hot streak um but yeah so i thought that was uh, to, both of those things were very notable in this anders anders carlson thing i'm trying my best to say anders cuz it is anders um anything else you wanted to add there yeah it's, it's
1: it's nice actually to hear that there is a explanation behind it which may mean um something going forward it and may that be it more will predictive persist. Yeah. that there's been a change that has led to this improvement.
0: Yeah. Anything more you wanted to add with Carlson, or should I go to my first one?
1: Um, why don't you go to your first one?
0: Yeah. So my first one is a you know a bit of a downer, and that was that Bakhtiari missed that family night practice. Um, now, since then, he has practiced both Monday and on Wednesday against the Bengals uh, in his normal capacity, not like a full practices or anything. But But he was back at practice, so it's not that there is – a major like setback or anything, or he's he's re-injured anything. Um, he was back out there this week, which is good. Uh, but the fact that he missed Family Night after it seemed like he was like building up to being scheduled to practice on Family Night, and that it seemed like a bit of a last-second thing, um, is a bit concerning. Uh, he did speak on Monday with NBC Sports's Peter King, um, which kind of also kind of made me feel a little bit better about this um some some notes from that uh the first one's a quote quote this year is definitely night and day compared to last year end quote um and then he went on to say that he feels a lot better about having uh this is more of a paraphrase that he feels a lot better about having the off season to actually build up strength as opposed to having to go straight from doing like physical therapy to practicing and playing um he mentioned that like he views the off season as kind of a time to like I think the quote was like, put armor on, put on,
1: put um, on armor on. I was going to say uh, the, exactly. the put on, put armor on quote, kind
0: of like build that strength up so you can make it through a whole year. And he felt like he wasn't able to do that last year because of all the rehab he was having to do. Um, so those, that was notes from Peter King. And the fact that he was able to practice this week do definitely give me some encouragement, but the fact that it did seem like he was, his schedule was to practice on family night and then he wasn't able to is obviously not great. Uh, Dad, how did you feel about all that?
1: It was the first time when he didn't practice on Family Night. It was the first time I was actually get worried about his availability this year and whether how, how reliable that would be. Because as I said to you, you asked me earlier in the off season, what will it take? Um, how many days a week does Bakhtiari have to practice for you not to worry about him being available on game days? And I was basically my answer was um, kind of wishy-washy because I didn't actually give you a number. I was like. As many days as they want him to be, so if he's available on the days that they have on their schedule, even if it's like two days a week, that's good enough. If the, if he practices on the days that they're planning to have him practice, even if it's only like you know, twice or maybe even once a week, if they, if they that's just, that's the schedule. So this is the first time I felt like he had a schedule. They kind of mentioned it earlier in the week that they were you know, starting his routine in the week to. Um, meet um, Saturday night as the, the day he would practice and then it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, that didn't sound good. So I was yeah. a little worried about that. It was nice to see him back out again on the very next practice on Monday.
0: Yeah, I think that was that and then the fact that he was back again on Wednesday were two very good things because honestly, when he practiced Monday, I was like, oh, he'll take Wednesday off then. And then when he, they said he was suited up on Wednesday, I was like, I was honestly pretty surprised. I was like, oh. Like, he's going to practice today? I'm, I'm surprised he's not taking the day off. Um, But given the fact, you know, they have the game Friday, he's definitely not playing in that preseason game. I I'll I bet, would be surprised matter, if he plays on Friday. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked. Because I don't think he's going to play. I would be surprised if Elton plays. I would be surprised if a lot of players play. I, I think they're going to sit I wouldn't least- be
1: that surprised if Elton
0: plays, Um, if Love is playing. I, I'd be pretty surprised. I I, I don't think they're going to play him given the fact that, I mean, it's possible, but I would be, I would be surprised. I would be shocked if Bakhtiari plays, Um, but so he's going to get that day off. Dad, what was your second thing from family night that you found interesting?
1: So my, my second thing is that, well, maybe it's a little more general than just family night, but the, the, the D line is doing work and looking good. And Wyatt has really stepped up this year maybe the biggest second year leap of, of any of the rookies from last year. I don't want to jinx it, really good. But, I'm,
0: but I'm hopeful. So I don't far. I do it, but I'm hopeful. He's
1: been looking really good. And then, and Wooden and Brooks both been making a lot of plays according to all the reports. And I, I imagine those are versus the backup O-linemen. They're in with the twos against the uh, the number two um, O-line. But they're they're also, they're in the backfield. They're looking quick off the ball. Um, get um getting sacks to make plays. So that is one of my take um, takeaways from uh, maybe that's more than just family night. Maybe that's family night, the previous practice or two, but
0: yeah, I wouldn't mention it anyway. I'm going to save my thoughts on Brooks and Wooden because I actually had some stuff I wanted to talk with them talk about them uh for the joint practices so I'm going to kind of save my thoughts on that one but I I definitely agree that it's exciting and it's going to be important I have that, that too. they
1: <laughs> we, nice. we we might be overlapping on that one.
0: I know I put mine in first is all I'm going to say. But anyway, I'm excited Just cause about Cuz I them. was slow typing. <laughs> it's cuz you got big meaty thumbs and meaty palms. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, at least that typing on a yeah. Yeah. So just you imagine had to, how long
1: it would take if I typed it on my phone.
0: If you had to type this on a phone, we'd never get an episode done because I've I've seen you <laughs> the one at a time text with your with your, with your thumbs. But anyways um, I have to keep thing, deleting and starting over. <laughs> the next thing that I found interesting was um, that Musgrave took every rep with the ones on offense and he took snaps at wide receiver and tight end. So it seems like he is going to be a really big part of this offense. Um, shout out to Justice mosquito of Acme Packing Company. He put out an article essentially charting the snap counts of all the televised family camp uh, family night snaps um it was very informative it was very interesting it's a must read at this time of the year because you know that's that's one of the the big practices when we're actually seeing what the depth chart might look like but the fact that Musgrave was there for every snap at multiple positions he's going to be a big part of this offense and it's going to be really but, exciting i think i'm i'm excited to see him he is
1: so He is so far ahead of the number two tight end in the depth chart. So far ahead, it's just it's it's maybe the biggest gap in any position on the team.
0: Goodness, that's a good question. Is it the biggest? Is the biggest? I I think you know. I mean, quarterbacks probably bigger, but but I suppose it's yeah (laughs) yeah. There's always quarterback. I was gonna say there's always quarterback, but you I think you might be right because I mean when you're taking every snap and they're trying to get you at multiple positions, that's that's. That's pretty big time, um, but yeah. So that was the next thing I had. Uh, did you have another one?
1: Yeah. So the other, well, um, my next one was um, the first team offense. I think it was it the first time they scored a two minute drill. It was
0: um, the first or the second. It, it was not many more than that. It was. It, it, was, it was maybe that, two. Their
1: best two their best two minute drill of the summer. You know. Yeah. To that point, point. and. You know, and that was after struggling a little bit early in the practice. So I think Love has had this habit; it seems to be like a little bit too much adrenaline. Start a practice, overthrow, overthrow, overthrow. Um, then yeah. he settles down, and they just and they really marched down the field. Well, I should say, did I have this right? They marched down the field once they restarted after the botch snap.
0: There was a botch snap. <laughs> it went botch snap, Musgrave over, and then the they reset. No, it went botch snap, reset, Musgrave over the middle, wide open. Terrible defense. Terrible defense. No one is even guarding him. 25 yards downfield, there's no one there. I don't really know what happened there. And then a uh, quick hit to uh, Watson, which I actually thought was the most impressive play because, honestly, he might have taken it all the that way. Was that cr- the, c- crosser? It was crosser? It was like a quick crosser. Uh, I can't tell. He took like three or four steps and then quick in. um but he caught it and he made a, he kind of made a guy miss honestly and he might have taken it if it had been full time like not just two and touch and then I think he'll have to break the,
1: like one tackle to go the whole distance
0: and then dive up the middle to Aaron Jones for not many yards and then uh kind of toss up to uh, Christian Watson on a 50-50 ball um to the uh to the right side of the end zone touchdown but yeah definitely the best 2 minute drill we've seen out of the Packers starting offense so far yep. by a lot
1: yeah, that was a nice little back shoulder throw as as uh, Watson. Moss, I think it was, Ballantyne?
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would call it a a back shoulder not quite throw a moss. because it. Well, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a back shoulder throw. He kind of just threw it on top of the guy's helmet, and he Watson just plucked it off of him. Um, the the caveat is it was not the starting defense. Uh, is the only caveat I have for it. Um, right, it, it, it was wasn't on the starting corners, on, and and the defense I don't think was was playing it particularly well. It, it felt like to me the the Musgrave one in particular is like. There's no one around him for 10 yards. Like, where's the defense? I don't see them. Um, But yeah, no, still exciting. I'm not going to rain on the He has
1: seemed to have a knack for finding a soft spot in the zone and getting open over the middle.
0: That's fair. And, you know, he's so fast that, maybe he's just getting there before they think he can. And he's they're They're surprised by his speed. maybe defenses during the year will be surprised by speed. I mean, it it sounds like everyone who watches him is like, he's even faster than you realize. Like this guy is a (laughs) freak. That's the fastest kid alive. Uh, But no, he's just, he's a freak. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, my next thing that uh, I found interesting was that uh, Owens really seems to have grabbed that number one safety spot. He took all the reps as the starting safety uh, during family night. um, And then, uh, has continued taking the the one the first team snaps um this past week of practice um i'm excited about it because uh well he can tackle really well uh he was a starting safety for the texans last year which you know they didn't exactly have the best defense but he has a lot of <laughs> yeah, experience a, at safety uh the past year and so that's that's he something got a some lot of snaps
1: last year yeah some more experience he wasn't very good in good. coverage but he was a very good very good tackler very good grades, tackling not so great at coverage, but if we need somebody to clean up on the back end, um, he might be best suited for that.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I I just think that's the most interesting thing. I don't really have a take on it, positive or negative, but it's it seems interesting because for most of off season, it had been Ford and Savage, and it seems like really in the past week, Owens has snatched that job from Ford, pretty pretty yeah, convincingly.
1: And, and I think I don't know if. The only other time I think since then that I've seen Ford mentioned as a starter was with Owens was when it was Owens and Ford. Yeah. There was a practice where it started off with Owens and Ford instead of a uh, savage.
0: Yeah. Which is but otherwise like Owens
1: has been one of the two starters for like a week and a half or two now.
0: Yeah. And, and that's pretty, that's pretty important because you know, safety even with Owens back there is still one of the shakiest positions on the team, but it's nice to see it kind of maybe settling down a little bit. It's nice to see someone really take that job. Um, I, I, I'm more excited about Owens taking the job than I would about Ford holding the job because I think Ford holding the job is like, okay, no one's really impressing. But the fact that Owens was able to jump up the depth chart level means that he's at least doing something well enough to like make some headway on people who are already ahead of him. Um, but yeah, that was my last thing. I think,
1: all... I think you're right because I think the Packers do have this tendency, and probably most NFL teams do, most, most going with what they know when there's nothing to
0: distinguish them. 100%. And the fact that he is at least doing enough to distinguish himself and like jump a spot is really good. But anyway, that's our last thing from Family Night. The next thing to talk about is joint practices. On Wednesday, or on Tuesday, the Packers flew out to go to Cincinnati, and on Wednesday, they had practice with the Bengals. Uh, the over on the fights hit Dad. We had two fights uh, during practice. Elton Jenkins <laughs> yeah, do you know, died. was it one and a half? Was the, line, was the line set at one and a half? I think the line was a half. We need to change this, this line, because I had the line at a half. Personally, it was like, is there going to be a fight or not? And it was like, oh, there were two fights. Uh, Elton Jenkins was removed from practice after the second fight. The first one, it sounded like- because. An, he was involved Uh, in both of them. Yes, the first one it sounded like someone came up and took a swing on him and then he was still heated pretty much until he swung on DJ reader for the second one and got kicked out of practice. So, you know, it happens. This, yeah, joint practices. So th- this is what happens during them. And when the Packers have one versus, uh, have another set of joint practices with the Patriots in a week, uh, I believe a week, uh, expect their expect the line to be one and a half fights because the line will move. Um, but anyway, uh, besides that, I just wanted to get that out of the way. And you know, just, it did happen. I don't think we have any real notes on it. Um, but anyway, Dad, what was your? Yeah, I mean, um, Bakhtiari
1: said like that. That that first fight was on was on the Bengals. I think that was the one with um the Jermaine linebacker Pratt, Jermaine yeah. Pratt who got pancaked, I guess. and didn't Yeah, I like guess it. he
0: got he got pancaked, and he was mad because he didn't think the drill was supposed to be at full contact, and so he came up to Elton and tried to punch him in the face with a helmet on, which is stupid. But then Elton tried to that, punch DJ you, Reader in the face with a helmet on, which is also stupid. stupid. So yep. you know, cum si cum sa, I guess. Um, but anyway. Um, we each had three things though, that we found interesting from these joint practices. I think there's always a lot interesting. Um, I'll lead off with mine since you let off with the last one. Uh, cause my first thing is I think one of the best parts of joint practices is getting non Packers related eyes on the team. Not people who see the team all the time, um, and getting their opinions and getting maybe some more unbiased opinions. So here are, um, three quotes, uh, just taken from Twitter. Um, regarding how the Packers looked in these practices. First one's from Sam Monson of PFF. Uh, quote, Felt like Jordan Love was deliberately being cautious with the football versus Bengals at practice today. Be interested to see if that's something they're trying to overemphasize for a quarterback who has always tended to make more big mistakes than really flies at this level. That's interesting. Um, he, he felt like Jordan Love was being a bit conservative. Um, and something in the Green 19 podcast that Silverstein, Ryan Wood, and... Oh, shoot. I want to check really quick who the, the third Cassidy, Cassidy uh, Hill? Cassidy Hill, yes. Cassidy Hill, thank you. Um, we're saying was that Jordan Hill had kind of been struggling with the deep ball recently, so that kind of ties into that as well. Um, and then, the so that's something. And then another quote about Jordan Love um, was DJ Reader, the Bengals defensive tackle that Elton got in a fight with, um, on Love. Quote, he looked decent back there. He wasn't just running to take off, wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was trying to go through his reads. He had a good demeanor back there. So, you know, positive uh, review from uh, DJ Reader. I think Ryan Wood was the one who who got that quote.
1: Much more complimentary review of Jordan Love than he had of Elton. Elton.
0: Um, And then the last one is uh, Joe Goodberry. This is not about uh, Jordan Love, um, but he is a Bengals reporter, and he uh, spent most of his time watching the Bengals offense versus the Packers defense. And this is a quote about the Packers defensive line. Quote, Van Ness is a handful already. Obviously, Kenny Clark, too. The Bengals struggle with both, so very interesting, Dad. Which of those three quotes kind of stood out the most to you? It might be the uh, the
1: the, um, the Monson one
0: about love the, the, deliberately. because lower... to me, it's the Goodberry one because you know we haven't really heard a lot about Van Ness. Oh, but that was Van Ness because uh-huh. and, and if he can be a real player for the Packers, I think that's like especially in year one, that's big time. Um. But also, he was Van Ness was going against the twos, so that is is something to keep in mind. Yeah,
1: I had seen some reports. I I'd, I'd, I'd missed this quote from Goodberry, but I had seen some mention that uh, um, Van Ness was looking good in some of the some of the plays
0: yeah but so those are my that was my first takeaways like i always like seeing you know other people's eyes and what they think about the packers because i think when you're seeing the same people's takes over and over every day you know it's it's good to get fresh eyes on it what was your first big takeaway from joint practice though dad
1: okay so here we're i think we've got a little bit of overlap here between what i've uh written and what you're getting maybe ready to say so but so i had um looking at the the Green Bay defense in general, reportedly really stymying the Bengals. Um, albeit without Burrow. Um, and some of the plays to go for like the video and some because so, as you mentioned, Joe Goodbury had a lot of practice videos on Twitter if people want to go look for him. Um at, at Joe Goodbury. A lot of uh, plays of the the um the eleven on elevens and the defensive line versus offensive offensive line one v ones. I don't think they they decided to scrap the um cornerback wide receiver one v ones. Um yeah, because they, of conditions or yeah. Since it rained heavily, I think, before the practice. I'm not sure if that was why or not. But um in general I thought I, I so I watched some of those uh offensive line versus defensive line one v ones and I would say, you know, looking at that that Wyatt and Kenny Clark looked really good making that's pressure, interesting
0: because I thought I had Wyatt down for a loss. I, I, I had, I had him and, for a I had Wyatt I may have down seen down two, two different reps rep. okay because I only saw one rep for Wyatt but I I, I had him down for a one loss I on had rep one
1: that I thought saw. he won and then one of those and I thought Slayton I had it for a loss on the one rep of his I saw yeah
0: and I, I had Brooks w- I, had, I had for a loss I had Wyatt Slayton and Brooks down for losses and then Kenny and Wooden down for wins uh was what I had I had Kenny and wooden for win but I thought I had I thought I saw Wyatt get a win as well I, maybe I, believe I saw you. two different yeah. sets just the one that I saw
1: and then overall, but the timing—the the Bengals and, and I think the only reports I saw they had like maybe two good plays on offense in the eleven on eleven, a, a run by Mixon and a pass to Boyd. But we otherwise, remember, they weren't really able to do anything. Got to remember
0: Trevor Simeon at quarterback. No Joe Burrow. I know. No Joe Burrow. No for Joe this Burrow. practice because I had people. I had so, people sending me. I had friends sending me. Take like, this oh, with a
1: pillar of salt.
0: Yes, I had friends sending me like, oh, the, the Packers defense shutting down the Bengals. I was like, yeah, just remember, uh, it's Trevor Simeon back there, not Joe Burrow. And they were like, that's right. He's not practicing. But no, but it's still, you know, that's what you want to see. Like, they like just two play good plays out of all that. And, you know, I think specifically um, what I had for this was that it was nice to see. Um, it sounds like the Packers second team D line was really beating up on the uh, Bengals second team O line. Um, which, you know, apparently the Bengals' second-team offensive line is a bit of a question mark in general, um, according to some stuff that I was uh, reading around on. Um, But it's really good to see, you know, Wooden uh, have a couple of nice rushes that I saw because it'd be pretty big if he played well because he projects to be the fourth defensive lineman. Uh, The fourth defensive line last year for the Packers, for reference, was TJ Slayton, who played on 33% of snaps. So that's a pretty big role. Um, But yeah, so... That's something to keep in mind, um, and that if Wooden can be a big contributor this year, that's that'd be big. Or that if he can play well, because that role has a lot of snaps baked into it. And if he's succeeding against second-team offensive line, that's just a step to being more impactful in that role. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that defensive line, or should I go on to my next one?
1: No, I think I had what I wanted to say about the defensive line as well, though. Uh, did you have another one, or...
0: Well, I kind of we kind said of, that, we
1: kind of over we kind of overlapped on that one a little bit, but you had
0: yeah that was the that was the thing I smore. wanted to say about the the defensive line. Um, and the the next thing I wanted to say about um you know the Packers in this joint practices is that uh you know Jair was not practicing unclear why, um, but he was not practicing in the team drills. Um, and Carrington Valentine was starting at outside corner instead, and he had a really good day. Two pass breakups in the in the end zone. Um. And you know, just keeps on seem- seemingly keeps on stacking successes as an outside corner. Now, I think the the big question mark I have for him next is how is he going to look in this um, preseason game when it comes to like okay, he's going to have to tackle now because he's a pretty thin guy. So I think that's like the big question mark I have for him now. It seems like he's being really successful in coverage so far, and. Obviously, that's the most important thing for an outside corner, but you are going to have to tackle from time to time. But so that was the other piece of joint practice that I found interesting was that he was next up at outside corner and he did a pretty good job there. Um, But yeah, so that's my next thing. Uh, Dad, what was your next thing from joint practices?
1: So one thing I thought was exciting is uh, the the touchdown to Dobbs where he... Burns, um, DJ Turner, um, a rookie cornerback from Michigan, who I actually liked. I think he was went in the second round, and he was, I think, he may have been the fastest timed forty at the combine this year, or if he wasn't, he was close. He's in the four twos, so super fast. And Dobbs gets behind him, and you can see Turner is just scrambling to try to catch back up to him, and Love drops it right in the bucket, perfect play for a fifty yard touchdown, whatever it is. Great throw. Um. It, yeah, so the, probably the best throw of the day by Love, and a, as well as a great route by Dobbs to get open. Um, I, I imagine that Turner was playing. M- m- I have to go back and look at the video. Playing tight on, at the line, of scrimmage got beat, beat early.
0: Yeah, it and... looked. It's, it was kind of hard to tell from the video because Dobbs kind of comes out of the picture for a second. But it looked like from the way Turner stopped that, like Dobbs kind of hit like a hesitation stop and go, and then just ran past him and kind of just got in front of him. Um, but yeah, that was definitely I think the throw of the day from the ones I saw. Apparently, there was a nice throw to Henry Pearson, the fullback down the sideline at one point. Yeah, no on one a wheel has route, any. No one has any video of that that I've seen, so can't say for sure. But a lot of people said that was a very nice throw as well.
1: Yeah, and then I think it was a little bit of an up and down day. I think Dobbs for Dobbs did he have a drop on another one? Do I remember that correctly? And then and then Love missed him on an earlier play.
0: There was there was one that the first I, heard, I think
1: the first couple throws that.
0: There's yeah, one Love deep missed, throw I think. to Dobbs that I've heard mixed reports on whether or not Love missed him or if Dobbs should have had it. Um, I've kind of heard it both ways on that one. So, you know, hard to tell. Um, and then I'm out of things from the joint practices. Did you have one more you wanted to add? So the other thing I'd add is kind of tied into your first thing, which is
1: about complimentary quotes from uh, non-Packer-related sources. So Jermaine Pratt, the Cincinnati linebacker who got into the first fight with Elton, had had compliments for both the Green Bay receivers and Love. So from Ryan Wood, he said about the receivers, they're young, but they've been in the league for two years now. Well, you know, <laughs> little we're, we're playing it loose. We're playing it loose with time. Um, but they said they're ready to go. I think they'll be a good team, good unit. I know they got a, a lot of backfire from A Rod dropping balls and stuff, but I think they'll be ready. And then from Bill Huber, what he said about Love's like, I think he's good. I thought he was solid, to be honest. I don't really know what to expect because I was. I was always thinking of A Rod, but I think he saw it. I think he'll be a great player. To be honest, he learned from A Rod. Now he gets the keys to run the system. So mostly complimentary. A little, you know, not not glowing, but
0: yeah. And you know, good things to
1: say about both the receivers and, and Love from yeah. from. Uh, so so he got that from two different defensive players of the of the Bengals with uh, Pratt and. Um, Reader.
0: And there was another quote that I had heard someone reference but I could not find written up anywhere that Mike Hilton also had some some nice things to say about love the corner for the Bengals who oh, was the right. one who, the guy who's, who got the pick 6 who picked <laughs> him at the goal line and that was I think the the biggest like like the the down play of the t- day was it was apparently trips to the left side um And the read was just like, okay, throw the screen, but like Hilton was just super ready for it and jumped it right away. And so that's just something that comes with experience, I think. um But yeah, that would have been pick six towels, about 98 yards. So, you know, right. wouldn't be it's better for it to happen now than for it to happen in season is all I'm going to say. Um, right. Yeah. So maybe
1: like love can say like, oh, that was not a good read.
0: <laughs> yeah, not, not ideal. But anyway, that kind of uh, wraps up what we had to say about joint practices. Um, And let's talk a little bit about the preseason game tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. Um, But anyway, I think we each had three things we're really excited for. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and start us off. Um, I think the first one is uh, specifically how Love's going to look throwing the ball down the field. Um, seems like he's been a bit inconsistent on deep balls from what people have said recently, um, and so just kind of looking at how that's going to fare in a game environment. Um, obviously, he's had some big um, throws to Dobbs, uh, one to Watson that we remember, one to Torrey that we remember. We've seen video of all those, um, but you know, just hopefully getting a bit more consistent with that deep connection. And I, you know, I'm I'm just excited to see some Packers football, man. I I'm, I'm so excited. Right. This um, this will look. Like a little bit
1: more like a game people are going to try to tackle to the ground. It's going to be like, run like a regular game. Won't be necessarily being stars. And I was, I was actually talking to Bob uh, about this. Watching other teams' preseason games is hard to really get into. Because you don't know the depth of their bench. You don't know who those guys are that are in there. But when you're watching the Packers, you know it down to the ninetieth man. It's like, ooh, I really want to see this guy who's battling for the number five defensive line spot.
0: I'm like, oh, who's gonna <laughs> who's lined up at Gunner? Like, oh, who do they got? Who do they got the first team Gunner? Like, that is some real sicko NFL like crap right there. Like, right. I, like, so you can't. Like, that's some sicko. stuff. You can't.
1: Well, at least I don't think many people can get that level of engagement for all 32 teams. But I think the most Packers, people.
0: Like, I think most people can't get that level of engagement for their own team. To be honest, I think we're just a little, little warped in well, the brain. That, that's <laughs> I entirely think, possible. To be honest, um, but anyway, yeah, no, it's 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 exciting. Um, but yeah, uh, what was your what was your first thing? But though, yeah, that I would say about,
1: about well, I would just say about love thing in particular with the deep ball, We had heard a lot about like overthrows on deep balls. I think more. They had a couple of under a couple too. of underthrows too, though, and. and just, Especially, I think, early on in practices. I will see how it goes, whether he gets settled gonna, down early. I think he's
0: going to start but, not great, and I think we need to be prepared for that because every single, like, practice big time, he's been a little too amped. He's been a little bit amped, a yep. little, little adrenaline pumping. He's, like, pumping. cranking it up. And so if he overthrows someone by, like, 10 yards on the first throw, it's okay. It's all they right.
1: They should call a 75-yard bomb down the field in the first play so we can just air it out full, full power.
0: To Musgrave. Why not? You know?
1: To Musgrave.
0: But anyway, um, what, are you, what so are you excited about, though? That,
1: so one of the first th- so first thing on my list is I want to see how the O-line holds up after reportedly giving up a bunch of like sacks and pressures in this joint practice. And specifically, I want to see how some of the uh, the backup – so this, we're getting into the weeds – backup tackles. Um, specifically, we'll see if like, Nyman, who I think get, got beat, um, but also Caleb Jones and R- R- Rasheed Walker.
0: I heard Trey Henderson was giving pass them- pro. I heard Trey Hendrickson was giving them the business? the business. I heard he was giving them the business on Wednesday.
1: Somebody reported seven sacks. I mean, I don't know if that was just trolling and making up a number out of you know where. But I, I did see the one rep where he just blows but, up uh, yeah, Nyman, I mean, and Nyman and Newman together. I don't know who was there at the guard.
0: Probably would have been Newman. They've been but putting anyway, Newman in at backup guard. So, But the thing is, Hendrickson. So not I'd like player. to see
1: how Nyman – yeah. But I'd like to see how Nyman performs – I'd I'd like to see how you know possible tackle depth down the line. Walker and Jones perform if they can how they hold up in pass pro because I think it's a lot of times it's those guys who are getting beat. And, there's so, uh, there's there, someone you haven't there mentioned there?
0: that I'm most excited to see. I, I'm excited to see Sean Ryan. So, I I want to see what he looks like in, in yes, game action. We I've heard some people say.
1: Sean Ryan has slowly been developing into the
0: legend of Sean Ryan in the last week of practice, where he's like, well,
1: the dude is undefeated.
0: Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But it's been 12 <laughs> months since we've seen him play. It's been 12 months since we've seen him play football. Like, we didn't see him at all his rookie year. Reportedly, he's in a lot better shape this year. He's the one I think that I think we have the most, like, unknown around him. And so that's probably the offensive lineman, like, the depth well, offensive that's lineman i most excited That's what I was to say, because he played... For let's sure. get into the
1: the interior offensive lineman. The um he had one special team snap last year. There was like I think precisely was it one. I thought he had zero four. buzz about him.
0: Okay. I thought it was only one. I th- I think it was. And, I thought it was a couple, and, but anyway, and, I could be wrong.
1: And just about zero buzz, of him in the preseason and training camp last year. I mean, remember him like str- struggling at? Uh, do they have him at tackle and Tom at guard? And I'm like, should you guys have the? Should you have these guys flipped?
0: I don't remember that, but that's if that was the. I don't understand why you would do that, but anyway, I don't but,
1: remember what the alignment was, but I remember them being next to each other in some of the preseason uh, action last year, whether it's the the training camp or preseason games. And like, this is not going well.
0: Yeah, my thing that I, the next thing that I'm looking at is how Wooden and Bro- we've already talked about Wooden Brooks a lot, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk too much about this, but how Wooden and Brooks look specifically against the run because they're gonna need a lot of snaps out of those two guys like almost immediately that fourth and fifth D linemen are going to play a lot, even without injury. And if there is injury, they're going to really play a lot. Um, And they're going to need them to hold up against the run. Um, So the sooner they can be contributors, the better. And I think this is like the first test to be like, okay, are you like, can you be complete? Like, I mean, obviously it's a lot to ask to be complete NFL players in your first preseason game. That's not realistic, but can you, can you have some successes against the run? Can you have some successes like penetrating, like, uh, along the offensive line, and then or getting pressure in in on third down situations and pass rushing situations, they're going to be two of the guys I'm watching most closely on the defense. I think.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and for both of them, the reason story the because like Woods a little undersized, and Brooks played edge, um, in college. So how are they going to hold up yeah. in the interior against the run? I actually have a similar thing. I'm going to jump to this one as my next one because I I also had about how is the D line going to hold up spe- specifically against the run. But I wanted, but I was calling. I was like, "Can Slayton and Wyatt hold the ground against the run to help out Kenny Clark?" Um, I don't think Kenny's going to play it down. No, no, no. Oh, I don't oh, mean help mean him in, in this game. I, I see. What you're saying. I mean in general, show that sh- are they going to start showing that they can hold up in the run and and help Kenny
0: in the season? I wish I well, had we put see Wyatt, some of it now. I wish I'd put Wyatt thinking about it now because you know it would it, theoretically he should. Be doing damage in this game because you're playing against a team that doesn't yes. have a great O line to begin with, and you're a second year first round pick who's made a lot of good noise. At camp, it would go a long ways to like building confidence in him if he just goes out there, plays two series. They take him out because he's just just beaten up on wrecking everyone. shop. Like it's just like yeah. it's like okay, you're good. Like we're just that we're would be that. awesome, uh, and I think he is going to play some. Oh no, he's definitely going to play. I would be surprised if he didn't. At least I think. I think, yeah, I I, think he he's going to play.
1: play i'll play more than two two
0: possessions we'll see yeah well no my my point is if he's just beaten up on everyone like you am know,
1: so good it's like okay so good, good they can, might as well take him down. out
0: it's one of those like nba things just like too good for summer league like you're just out there like eight of eight to start the game like no one can guard you it's like all right like let's <laughs> let's get some other guys some work um the last thing that i'm excited about though is to see musgrave speed live and to see craft play i'm really excited for the two new tight ends um and you know, just to see all of the, the the young players, but specifically them, um, and see Musgrave speed live, like, and see how real it is. Uh, I, I'm excited for that. That's that's kind of my last thing that I'm I'm really looking forward to for preseason game one.
1: So so my last one is kind of similar, but a different position. I'm really excited to see Jaden Reed in real game action. Um, he seems to be like. Firmly entrenched as the starter at slot. Regardless of whatever the unofficial slash official depth chart says.
0: Call me crazy, he, but I feel like we've heard the most, like, uh, from any of the receivers. Like, like, has have we heard the most from him in training camp? I'm not talking about OTA's minicamp, but just, just training camp. I feel like we've almost heard the most from Reed of any of the receivers. Maybe Dobbs. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But, but, but yeah, a Reed's been, amount.
1: all the reports make it sound like he's looking good. And the few clips you get to see, he looks explosive.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: running by people at speed. Um, I'm excited to see what happens when everybody's playing at full speed, and somebody's actually trying to tackle at you. What is he going to do with the, to get open and to
0: and with the ball in his hands? And he was a pretty good tackle breaker in college. Like he's, he's pretty strong, like core strong, like lower half. So, but he's a smaller guy. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else uh, you wanted to add? Or um, I that think was that's, it. Okay. Well, anyway, exciting preseason game one tomorrow at four o'clock, uh, West Coast time, six o'clock Central time, seven o'clock Eastern time. Set your alarms; it's almost here. NFL Network is when it's going to be on. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing a free plug for NFL Network, but if you're looking for the the game, it's on NFL Network. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Like we said earlier, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. Uh, come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Or on YouTube, either would really help our numbers, and we really appreciate it. Once the games start in earnest, we're going to be doing two episodes a week, so get psyched for that. And thank you so much for listening, but until next time, go Paco. Go,
1: go Paco. Go.